Claudia Sorio. I am sitting here now with director Adele Fan. Welcome, Adele. Hi, thank you. Do you have any ties or roots in Houston? No, none. I, before last year, I had never been outside of the airport. So I used to fly standby. So I used to like fly through Houston a lot to connect to other places, but never left the airport. So this is the first time I've seen Houston really during the daytime. So this <laughs> I know there's a lot of Vietnamese people here. So yes. my connections are all through the nail industry, but right. I've never actually experienced Vietnamese people in real life. Yeah, I was about to say, we have a very strong Vietnamese community here in Houston. <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh, maybe she's, you know, she's coming here to show her film, to be able to share it with the community here. You've already been all over the U.S. with this film. Yeah. Because you filmed all over the place. So let's <laughs> talk about your film, Nailed It. Your film takes viewers across the U.S. to explore this vast yet very tight-knit community of Vietnamese entrepreneurs and how they came to dominate the $8 billion nail salon industry. What inspired you to focus on this as the subject mm. for your documentary? Well, nails is something that really connects the diaspora, and I had an inkling of that before I began the journey of researching and then producing the film. So for me, it's really a diasporic film because you're able to access all these different Vietnamese communities through the nail salon. And I'm still playing with that idea because really the Vietnamese nail salon is global. So at one point I was going to take viewers on a journey through um, Vietnamese nail salons in Europe, for example, but I only have an hour yeah. to, to <laughs> edit, you know, to make this film um, for TV, but you know, that, that's still on my radar for a kind of sequel project or series to just like see all the different pockets of Vietnamese people through their nail salons in the world. As a Vietnamese American, how did that influence <coughs> your film and how you approached filming it? Well, um, the film for me was really a personal journey without me realizing at first. I probably didn't realize until a good year into it, like how much I was actually growing as a person, understanding my culture better than I had before because there was always a kind of resistance to it or a lack of understanding because I don't speak the language and that can create a division, you know, where you're embarrassed to be around your own people because you can't speak in their language and there's this embarrassment when there's this expectation or this hope that you really would carry on the language tradition but you don't. So this film helped me get past that and connect with different kinds of Vietnamese people through the nail salon industry intergenerationally. That's really interesting that you mm. brought that up because especially in my culture, the Latino culture, it's kind of like they frown upon you if you don't speak the language. <laughs> so it can be really hard, I feel like, to, to try to connect in that way. But you seem to, to be able to do it and accomplish that. How did the Vietnamese community respond to the idea of you making a film based on their experience? I think when they realize what I'm doing, they love it. And there, there's just absolutely no expectation that we should be represented anywhere in the media. So when they see that that's happening, especially the young people, young women that I've met on the college circuit, I mean, sometimes they'll just start crying when they start talking to me. They didn't realize like it was going to be this much of an emotional journey for them, you know, and I'm kind of telling a idealized version of the nail salon industry. We do get into the nitty gritty, but for me, it's really a cultural hero story, and we just don't have any uh, 
kind of recognition for um, the role that we played as refugees, as war refugees from an American war in Vietnam, but also um, just intergenerationally what one generation is bringing to the next and then how that gener the next generation is relating back to their parents' generation. And this film is a perfect conversation piece for that because I do approach certain intergenerational divides through my own personal story, which a lot of young second-generation Vietnamese people really relate to. And I think any diverse group sure. can relate to. <laughs> Anyone with an immigrant parent yeah. can really relate to it, for yep. sure. Absolutely. And, you know, some of my biggest supporters have been Latina women, you know, and some people, some of them have just told me the most amazing stories just on Instagram, like, you know, um, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I learned to do nails through the Vietnamese salon, right. you know, um, and those are the kind of intercultural stories that we don't hear in the media. It's always about some kind of uh, discord inside of the salon, but not this coming together of not even just women, but, you know, people, because a lot of men do nails as well and have close relationships with their clients, which I show and nailed it. Yeah, that's like I'm pointing back here, like the <laughs> film is behind. Back there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that sense of community that you capture so mm. well, and just across different different communities of people is, is really I great. had to, because that's what was presented to me, and that's what surprised me, because I didn't grow up inside the salon. So I really was an outsider looking in, and I had to find my, uh, my people, my connectors into the culture. But once I was inside, and Kelvin let me ride inside, I was like, oh, wow, this is a whole other human dynamic that we're, we don't see in media. So this was our opportunity to tell the story the right way from the inside. Yeah, that was one of my questions for you. Was there anything that surprised you along the way besides that? Mm, I mean, I was really surprised that so many men do nails. I had the same sort of stereotype in my head that it's just these Vietnamese women that do nails. but. A lot of Vietnamese men do nails. Um, I was just surprised at how funny people were, you know. Uh, growing up, my only real connection was to my father, you know. And so his experience with Vietnamese, being Vietnamese and by proxy my own is fractured because, you know, he had to leave Vietnam. He had to escape. So this was a way to kind of just integrate myself into the culture, you know, in a space like Southern California where if you want to, you can just hang around all Vietnamese people all the time. And I never experienced that in life other than going to Vietnam. What <coughs> challenges or obstacles did you face while filming um, this documentary? The, right. Just the challenge of subjectivity. Like I did realize that I was telling kind of idealized version of the nail salon as I was producing the film and being okay with that and owning that. Mm -hmm. um, subjectivity and the fact that I don't speak Vietnamese. So even when I was doing an interview with somebody um, who was English as a second language and maybe they're more comfortable speaking Vietnamese, even though I say, oh, respond to me in Vietnamese, they're still going to end up speaking to me in English because they want me to be comfortable, right? So then you have to think, well, is the fullness of their story really coming out if they're having to struggle at all with the language? You know, um, these are very real things that documentary filmmakers come up against, and I 
guess I feel them more acutely because I'm a minority, I'm a woman, and I'm making a film about my culture that I, I understand and don't understand at the same time. Yeah, that's something that I grew up with, with my dad being an immigrant, is him telling me, you're never going to get the full story unless you really immerse yourself in that culture mm -hmm. and, you, and you connect with different people. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, Charlie from the film, yeah. she still... She she only speaks to me in Vietnamese. She's mad I still don't speak Vietnamese. I'm like, man, when is that language chip coming, <laughs> Google? <laughs> <laughs> what support did you receive along the way? Uh, Houston itself is a very diverse city mm. with so many stories waiting to be told. So mm. you must have gotten a lot of support along the way. It was also a struggle. You know, I think I had an expectation that just because I'm Asian and I'm telling such a quintessential Asian-American story that the support would just come and they'd rally around me. But I also have to think about the fact that I'm telling a very working class story. And I'm including, for example, Angela Johnson in the narrative, although she's not a major part of it, but she sets us off on a journey because that's the kind of cloying voice of the Vietnamese nail salon that most Americans can recognize right away. And, you know, growing up, I didn't have to deal with that voice, although people definitely made fun of Asians a lot. Um, that whole sketch came out, like, when I was out of grad school, right? So I think maybe a younger generation has a more visceral dislike of that character, you know? But again, it's kind of across the board, you know, and it totally depends on what your experience has been growing up. Um, whether outside cultures really embraced you, whether they've othered you, whether they've used, you know, this very prevalent stereotypical voice to make fun of you. So these are all things that have come out in the screening of the film. And um, I actually like it when people don't like aspects of the film. We're able to talk about it in the Q&A because we usually get to the root issue, the deeper issue, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like being your culture being viewed as a caricature and yeah. like I grew up like that a lot. Like yeah. in high school it's I don't think kids realize how cruel they were being but making fun of me of like, Oh, yeah. you're gonna go mow lawns or something? Mm. Like it, it was just it was really hurtful, you mm. know? But at the same time it's like that's how people viewed my culture and my mm. people. Yeah. And growing up for me, one reason I may have stayed away from the nail salon is because it was such an expectation. Like when you told someone you were Vietnamese, they're like, oh, do you do nails? Like this sort of a thing, yeah. right? But as I got older, that bothered me less and less, you know? But I'm, I'm encountering people who are now just starting to explore their identity, and it's fine to feel angry about something, you know, and to feel like you want to voice your dislike for something in an open form. Like I'm. I'm okay with that. And that's something that you explored in the film as well. So how has your journey as an artist and filmmaker evolved since the beginning of the project until now? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it took so long. <laughs> I had a kid. Uh, but as an artist, I mean, I think I was really still trying to find my voice when I started the film. And now I have a better sense of the kind of films that I make and how my voice is represented in my work, you know, and not shying away from that or being like apologetic or, you know, I, I kind of own the subjectivity of my work because I find that all documentaries are subjective. As soon as you turn your lens on somebody else and try to tell their story, you're imparting your own ideas onto that person or a group of people. And 
you should be aware of that as you're making the film and be open enough to you know respond appropriately if you're checked for something on set earlier i touched upon how houston itself is a very diverse city yeah. with so many stories that are waiting to be told what was your process like for finding the people that you featured and their stories in your documentary right i mean in life in documentary relationships are so crucial to finding the best story so i really relied on the vietnamese people i made connections to in the nail industry to guide me in the right direction and um even just being invited into excuse me these deeply vietnamese american nail spaces then you're starting to see the characters that are kind of you know bubbling to the top and you're like oh that'd be a great character that's a great storyline another challenge i had in making the film is that i'm making a historical film i'm not following one to three characters in a three arc three act structure like i had to create that drama that structure out of history that's still unfolding and still ongoing you know um so I, there's still people I wish I could have included in the film that I made after the that I met after the film was done. Like I would have really liked to have included a young second generation Vietnamese American woman who came up in the salon but hated it, you know, or felt like the salon robbed her of her parents or something like that. You know, that particular character, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but she didn't present herself at the time, you know. And so I, when I watch the film now, I see that. Well, I really follow a lot of Vietnamese guys around, right? And that's also another surprising aspect of the industry, that so many men are involved in it, you know? That are part of it. Are part of it. Yeah, that yeah. was really surprising to me, too. It's something I didn't even, I don't know if I didn't notice it or didn't realize it. Uh. Um, but yeah, it was that was a really surprising aspect for me. Now, you've <laughs> said that your dad encouraged you to learn about nails after you graduated high school as a side hustle but you felt a class embarrassment about servicing other people's bodies. How important was it for you to explore this mm. feeling in the film? It was important for me to explore that feeling in life. Um, I think like a lot of Asian Americans and young people of color, like I didn't really start exploring identity seriously until I went to college. And I was in a space where just new ideas were being introduced to me by other people and given the space to really talk about these things. Um, um, so yeah, the class embarrassment thing left me a long time ago. So it's funny to see people struggling with it now because I was like, oh, I was so over that. By the time I hit college, I was like, how dare they judge us for being these working class people? How dare they say our nail salons are dirty when they're the ones that want it fast and cheap and out of control, right? So all of those political ideas swirling at the same time. And I think class identity is huge for Asians, <laughs> for Asian Americans, you know, and it's something that we're still negotiating. And I'm proud to be a working class person. I'm proud to be a working class person in the film industry, you know, although it can be incredibly hard to s survive sometimes, it's so important that our voices are not in just included, but featured, like at this festival. Yeah, and I mean, the lack of representation is just so sad and depressing. A lot of it's just financials. It's not yeah. all, you know, racial discrimination. I mean, this documentary is a gentleman's hobby. It still is. I mean, it, it, you need a side hustle in order to keep producing the film a lot of the time, even established people. So my dad was really onto something, you know. 
I just didn't want to go work in a nail salon with my relatives. I had a really <laughs> bad. <laughs> but I think he also wanted me to be more Vietnamese, and you know, this was an opportunity to perhaps learn some of my language, learn what it's like to work with a within a Vietnamese family, which is so much a part of our culture that wasn't a part of my upbringing because I'm only half Vietnamese and I don't have a really strong Vietnamese family in the States. Right, and pushing you to kind of integrate yourself more mm -hmm. in that culture. And just money-wise, I mean, he saw it. This was the late 90s, so, I mean, he just saw what a huge industry this was and he thought, like, I'd be a good nail salon manager. Yeah. You know, he was right. Our parents are right about all this shit. Well, Jesus. We should listen to them more, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ever going to show this to my mom. <laughs> Don't let them know. Yeah, though. I'm not going to let her know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about this story do you think has relevance to other diverse or overlooked communities? Huge, because um, it's us, me, telling the story of my own community that is pretty much not represented in the media. You know, when we talk about Vietnamese Americans, it's always within the context of war. And I talked about this in the panel a bit, and I've talked about it a lot, but we're yearning for our stories in the present to be told in the present, you know, because we need that. Like, our identity is dying. The generation that came from Vietnam, they're dying, right? And we don't really know who we are outside the context of their struggle. Their struggle is a part of us, but we have this whole other hyphenated American identity that we're navigating, right, when it comes to class and patriarchy and um, retaining our cultural identity and I have to, it's sad in America for Asians it, to me a lot of times it, it feels like a slow death because we feel like we have to go along with the majority in order to survive so we don't articulate um, you know just just the, the the deeper meaning of what it is to be a person of color in this country to be the child of war refugees. These are all very rich, deep subjects that I think are best touched by people that grew up inside the culture and are passionate about that culture. What do you want audiences to take away from your film? That um, you can't judge a book by its cover, you know? I still see so much racism in a lot of the comments whenever a story of a bad nail salon goes viral, it feels like the last bastion of being like truly racist against Asian people, you know? There's this conception like, oh, we're just parasitic businesses here to take advantage of a group of people that really should be doing it for themselves, and that's not the full story, you know? And so I, I, what people can really take away from my film is that we're human beings, like we're loving, we love each other. We also love people outside of our culture, too. That's rarely ever put in focus. Um, and that we come from a traumatic past. You know, we're not all Chinese. The, the Asian diaspora is incredibly diverse. We don't even like each other. <laughs> so it's important for people to understand that here in America because 
to most Americans, we're just all Chinese. That's exactly how it is. Like having to explain that to a lot of my white friends, oh, well, we're Latinos, but we're all from different countries. And some of other countries don't like each other very much. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot of it. My dad's Central American. My mom's Mexican American. <laughs> like their families just don't get along. And that's a really difficult thing to explain mm. to people who are just see us all as one. Mm. You know, we're all part of the same canvas. But uh, are you currently working on any other films at the moment? Oh, yeah. Um, so two years ago, I released the short produced by Field Division called State of Oregon. It was about a hate crime, the murder of a 19-year-old black teenager named Larnell Bruce Jr., who was run down and murdered by a, a white supremacist on the outskirts of Portland. And I contextualize it briefly because it's a short. It's only 10 minutes with Oregon's ratchet exclusion laws um, which the state is founded by so their first constitution explicitly banned black people and all people of color from being citizens of the state and you could be killed with impunity if you were caught and they didn't want you there right so that explains why the state is so white and again I'm from Oregon I was born and raised there and I was kind of sickened that a lot of this history felt like it was kept from me because it's uncomfortable. Like, I went to public school my entire life and I never heard anything about these exclusion laws, you know? And so the racism that I saw my father face and both my parents face because they're in a racial relationship, um, it felt so isolating. It felt like we were alone with it. But you get older and you realize, wow, there are a lot of people that were going through that throughout time. So I'm working on the feature version of that film, which will contextualize a lineage of hate crimes from statehood to the present. Okay, well, thank you so much, Adele Fan, for taking the time to talk to me and have this conversation and for bringing the story to us. Nailed it. Thank you so much. You did nail it. Thank you, babe. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was very cheesy. <laughs> hey, strike that, strike that. No, no, I love it. You nailed it. <laughs>